0: Welcome to the Muscles and Veggies Fitness Podcast. This is where you get nutrition, health, fitness, performance, all perfectly packaged together in a bite size podcast to help educate and motivate you to stay on your fitness journey. Today, we are talking about a controversial subject uh, in the field of pharmaceuticals. I have had so many questions lately from my listeners on this uh, new diabetic drug, these shots that you can take that are supposed to be amazing for weight loss. And so I wanted to do an episode to cover uh, exactly the the thoughts that I have on these drugs. And to do so, I want to first give a disclaimer. I am not a medical professional. I'm not a doctor. I cannot give medical advice. You're simply just listening to a personal trainer um, talk about his opinions and his thoughts on the research of these drugs. So let's start by talking about uh, what these drugs are. Uh, specifically, we're referring to Munjaro and Ozempic. And Munjaro is what we're really going to talk about today because that's what I did all my research on. So Munjaro is made by Eli Lilly and Company. This is a United States company um, that is making this drug that it's basically a shot and we we call it a glp1 it's a glucagon-like peptide Uh, so it mimics glucagon in the body and so we've done we've talked about in previous episodes like glucagon and insulin are inverse when insulin is high glucagon is low and when glucagon is high insulin is low okay so why is that important uh to know because glucagon is our basically our main fat burning hormone and insulin is our main fat storage hormone so you can see why those would be inverse okay so this is the this is the the big issue I have uh in talking about this drug and how people are using it for weight loss because it's only fda approved for type 2 diabetes it is not fda approved for weight loss they are trying to get approval for it but there's not enough long-term clinical research to prove that it's safe and effective for weight loss but yet doctors are still somehow allowed to prescribe this drug to non-diabetics even though Um, It's only FDA-approved for type 2 diabetics. Okay, so here's a huge red flag for me. Uh, The company that makes this is Eli Lilly and Company. It's a United States company. Uh, They actually pleaded guilty in 2009 to the largest criminal fine ever imposed upon a drug company for a drug called Zyprexa. And you can guess uh, why this lawsuit and this fine was imposed It was because they were marketing Zyprexa as a treatment for Alzheimer's and dementia, but it was not FDA approved for Alzheimer's and dementia. It was only FDA approved for bipolar and schizophrenia. So huge red flag for me right off the bat when I was doing my research, like, whoa, uh, the exact thing that they're doing with this drug, they are doing with this last drug uh, that they were heavily heavily imposed a fine. This was a this was a multi uh billion dollar fine you know that they paid in 2009. Uh there's only been one fine bigger than that and that that fine was paid by Pfizer um for a different drug. So here's I'm going to give you my three biggest um cautions on this drug and and I will give you some some pros as well so the things that I did find that um, the things that I did find that it could be good for diabetics for, okay? So I've had lots of people ask me for my take on this, so so I'm going to go ahead and give you guys my take. Number one, this drug is only FDA approved for diabetics, and, and in my opinion, should still only be used in the short term, and we're going to talk about the reasons why, but how are doctors allowed to prescribe a drug to a person who it's not approved for by the FDA? For example, if I wanted to get my hands on um, some kind of opiates or benzodiazepines, Xanax, something like that, could I go to my doctor and just say, yeah, um, this is for the treatment of pain and I have pain? No, the doctor's going to be like, no, I can't prescribe that to you. You're going to have to go through the proper channels and we have to you know, make sure that you have pain that's substantial enough for me to prescribe this medication So we do that with certain drugs. Why aren't we doing it with drugs like this, right? Well, what's interesting is uh, insurance will not cover this drug if you are a non-diabetic, but it will cover it if you are a diabetic. So people are paying out of pocket for this. And I've heard that it's right around $1,000 a month if you're a a non-diabetic wanting Munjaro. So lots and lots of money is pouring into this market uh, because people who are non-diabetic are are asking their doctors about this drug. Now, what's also interesting is uh, people are literally committing insurance fraud. So they're going to the, a different doctor that's not their primary care doctor, and they're marking down on their intake forms that they are type 2 diabetic, and that way they can get insurance to cover this drug. Th- this is kind of like uh, the... Um, canary in the coal mine, so to speak, on how we might have a problem here, Houston. Um, If people really want drugs and pills and different things that will be the easy fix to their weight loss problems, um, you know, there's a huge red flag there as well. So I won't go too much in the weeds on that, but let's talk about uh, GLP-1 inhibitors and the risks. So this certain peptide that they're using, um, you know, yes... It it does allow type 2 diabetics to uh, severely diminish their appetite. Um, It severely diminishes their ability to overeat. And that's because the drug's most common side effects or causes were nausea, diarrhea, and vomiting. And part of that is because the peptide itself, it actually delays gastric emptying. Okay, So it, it delays your stomach emptying and it slows down your digestion and motility. So you basically feel full all the time because your metabolism is just basically being shut off, okay? So you're just not hungry because all the signals are there that you have plenty of energy, your metabolism is full, your digestive system is full, and so you're just not hungry, right? Well, this leads to massive constipation. Again, eventually, if it slows down to the effect that the body starts vomiting the contents that are inside of you... Um, And then the other huge risk that I found in all the literature was pancreatitis. So if you have a history of pancreatitis, you do not wanna touch this drug with a 10 foot pole. Um, It can really, really jack you around with pancreatitis. So anybody listening who's ever had pancreatitis, you know you don't want that again. It's one of the most painful disorders that you can get involved with. So I wanna paint a picture for you, right? Let's say you take this shot. And it takes away your appetite and possibly makes you start vomiting, but you're losing weight, right? What did we just basically associate this with by saying what I just said? I want you to think about that again. If it takes away your appetite and possibly makes you vomit, all in the efforts to lose weight, what is that very similar to? Think about that for a second. Yes, you're correct. It's similar to anorexia and bulimia. Okay, so we are medically inducing anorexia and bulimia. Most of the people that are taking this drug cannot eat more than a thousand calories per day because their body will just simply not let them do it. Okay, so you can see how immediately I'm like, man, this is going to wreck people over the long term. Over the short term, I do want to make this caveat, because I do have some friends and people that I I really love and cherish that are on this drug, and over the short term, it has been shown to lower their A1C, and it has been shown to uh, lower their blood sugar, and they lose some weight, and that's great for a type 2 diabetic, right? But it's not great for people who might already have eating disorders. It's not great for people who are going to take this, anybody who's going to take this drug long term. Because here's the problem. I don't care if you're type 2 diabetic or not, and you're really struggling with high blood sugar, um, taking this drug long term will absolutely wreck your metabolism, okay? So yeah, in the short term, it's going to lower your H HbA1c and your blood sugar, but can you really go on sustaining under a 1,000 calories a day for the rest of your life, okay? So in the long term, this drug is going to completely derange the metabolism. In the short term, it could be a viable tool for someone who is really struggling with overeating, they're really struggling with food addiction, and they cannot break the, the, the scale going in the opposite direction, okay? So I want you to think about this for a second. If I were to promote a diet on this podcast and say that, okay, I want everybody to eat 500 to 1,000 calories a day, and I called it Zach's Starvation Diet, whatever you want to call it, right? People decide that they're going to do it. Um, immediately they start losing weight, Okay, eating only 500 to 1,000 calories a day. No-brainer, right? They're going to lose weight. But over time, their stress is going through the roof. Uh, Their hair starts falling out. Uh, They start feeling extremely fatigued, um, cold all the time. Their thyroid is tanking. Then suddenly, if you're a, a woman or a man, you have low testosterone, you have... Your menstrual cycles are really out of whack. Maybe you even stop having a menstrual cycle as a female. So now we have major hormone problems. Your hormones are tanking. You have no libido, okay? So basically, people's health starts falling apart because of the lack of calories. Now, this person decides, I'm going to stop this starvation diet that Zach told me to do. (laughs) And I'm going to start eating a nominal 2,000 calorie diet again. What do you think happens when that person stops that that starvation diet and they start eating a normal 1,800 to 2,000 calorie diet again? The same thing that happens with the big, Biggest Loser show. So when they take the Biggest Losers, 90 to 95% of participants gain the weight back after the show. Literally almost everybody who's ever done the show has gained the weight back and more in some cases, Okay. Why is that? Because when we do extreme calorie restriction and over-exercise, we completely derange the metabolism. And so when you start, when you have taken the thermostat and you've turned it down to, let's say, 1,500 calories is your BMR, that's, that's what your body has said, okay, we, we have to become really efficient at only getting 1,500 calories, but also burning tons of calories with over-exercise, it's going to lower your metabolic rate to meet that expenditure. Okay. So then when you go back to 2000 calories a day and your metabolism stuck at 1500 calories a day, what do you think is going to happen? The body is going to start putting on weight. And that's, you know, for, for the body's sake of things, that's a good thing because you know why it's going to slowly turn up the metabolism, but for the person they're thinking, this is horrible because now I'm piling on all this weight that I lost again. And I'm going to, you know what I mean? I'm going through the cycle all over again. The reason I tell you this long story is basically because what do you think is going to happen if people, their health falls apart and they have to get off this drug? Yes, they are going to gain the weight back and they're going to do so in a state of of bad health. So you're going to feel miserable if you have hair loss and stress to the roof and your thyroid problems and hormone problems fatigue, you don't want to get out of bed. And not only that, you feel miserable about yourself because you're piling on all this weight uh, that you, you finally got off. So you can see how this this drug could be um, deranging the metabolism and, and be something that is frankly going to cause a lot of problems. And you're going to, I mean, mark my words, I feel like in the next three to five years, we're going to be seeing, did you take Munjaro? Call this hotline. Smith and associates will represent you. Okay. So are we really that naive when we think about this from a logical standpoint that we can possibly treat calories as if they are evil and that they, the body can literally survive on nothing. Okay. So let's use the a vehicle as an analogy here. I want you to think about your car, um, out in the driveway or that you're driving in right now, okay? If you didn't give it any brake fluid, antifreeze, oil, gas, uh, air, you know, you didn't give it one of these things, what is going to happen? Yeah, you're right. Something is going to malfunction at some point. I mean, maybe you have enough right now, but at some point, the the vehicle's systems are going to start shutting down, and that's because we're not stupid enough to think that we can drive our vehicles without doing regular maintenance and providing them the raw materials that they need to function properly. So why would we think that we can take, a, you know, our bodies and, and give them a fraction of what they actually need and that's going to somehow, you know, be the picture of health because we lose the weight. And I'm I'm here to tell you from years of experience that weight loss is not synonymous with health, okay? Um, health is, uh, the precursor to healthy weight loss, but it's not the other way around. When I, I feel like when people, well, I've seen when people are too aesthetically focused, oftentimes they will sacrifice their health in the pursuit of the ultimate aesthetics. And so what I try to coach in this podcast and with my personal training is the opposite. We have to focus on health. We get your body in a healthy state and we nourish it, and we take care of it, and we bring it into a very low stress spot, that is where the aesthetics will come from. Because aesthetics is literally just a byproduct of good health, not the other way around, okay? You don't just get the aesthetics, and now you're skinny, and that means you're healthy. Because I'm can, i here to tell you that bodybuilders and people in these magazines oftentimes are literally dehydrated and about to flop out when they are taking these pictures for these magazines and these bodybuilding shows. And and if you don't believe me, talk to any of them. Find one that is online or find one that you know in your gym and talk to them about it. See how horrible they felt when they were up on stage or when they were in this magazine shoot that they were in. Okay, So the same idea that I've talked about and I wanted to include this in my notes, the same idea that I'm talking about with this drug is exactly, exactly equal to lap band stomach surgery. So there's a place here in Fayetteville that absolutely hates my guts and they're called roller weight loss. And they they can't stand me because I talk about the exact surgery that they do, which is the stomach lap band surgery. And how dangerous it is, the side effects of it, and what are we really doing? We're, we're opening up our physiology and thinking that we're smarter than God, and we're going to put a, a band around our stomach that's going to solve all of our problems. Now, what does this do? It's the same exact thing that we're talking about here today. This actually um, starves you, and you're not getting enough calories over a period of time. Well, guess what happens with most people that get the lap band surgery done? And, and I want to make this caveat, if you're listening to this and you've had that surgery done or you know somebody that has I my heart goes out to you, okay? So I don't think I'm bashing you in any way whatsoever. This is just a flawed medical system. This is not me attacking anyone's character whatsoever. But I feel for these people because in like 8 out of 10 occurrences, these people will gain all the weight back and they'll, they'll, their stomach will adapt ...to be able to eat the same amount of calories they were eating before the surgery. So we cannot think that with these drugs and these these applications that we are smarter than our physiology or our creator. So all of this said, listen, this podcast is just take it with a grain of salt. This is just my opinion... Uh, But I want to give people the raw, logical science on why these things are not the ultimate fix. What is the magic pill? There is none. It has to boil down to nutritious, balanced eating, Okay, lifting weights and building your metabolism, being strong, moving every day, walking every day keeping our stress as low as possible, keeping inflammation as low as possible, eating an anti-inflammatory diet, okay, sleeping really, really well, get out barefoot in the grass, in the sunshine, okay, walk through nature, Um, go swimming, all right, Uh, have meaningful, fulfilled relationships with family and the people you love, I can go on and on the these are the natural things that bring health vitality and the aesthetics it's not the the quick fixes the drugs the surgeries the cool sculpting um you know yeah those some of those applications do work and they're great um in the short term they are not the ultimate fix though what what's the ultimate fix it's our lifestyle it is our lifestyle so Yeah, I mean, there's lots of little procedures that can give you benefits. So I'm not bashing any of those things, but they are tools in the grand scheme of a healthy lifestyle. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. Listen, if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, maybe I actually like ruffled a little feathers and you got some questions for me. You can hit me up, DM me on Instagram or email me. You can also visit me at musclesandveggies.com. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast or you get something out of this, please do me a favor. Leave me a review. You can do it anywhere on Facebook. Google Places is a great place to leave me a review. That's how people find my personal training. Uh, You can leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, Tell me what you think about the show. Tell others what you think about the show. Okay, Uh, But for now, I'm going to cut it off there right at 20 minutes. Thank you for spending time with me today. I hope this helps you to make any kind of decisions Uh, when it comes to what's best for your healthy lifestyle and the long-term approach to health and fitness. Uh, So uh, thank you for your time, and I'll see you next time on the Muscles and Veggies Fitness Podcast.